Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special edition of the Aaron Meta Show. It is the 2nd of December of 2018, and uh, if you want to check us out, facebook.com forward slash Aaron Meta Show. Twitter is at Aaron Meta Show, aaronmeta.tumblr.com, and also youtube.com forward slash Aaron Meta Show. Find us on Player FM, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to across the globe. Uh, Nickelodeon fans were flawed. Uh, we are um, we, not to say we weren't expecting this, but uh, I guess you could say this is a very emotional time for everyone who's a fan of this uh, of the, uh, the the network of slime and uh, for Nickelodeon. And uh, we have lost a very special individual, uh, Stephen Hilsenberg, who uh, uh, succumbed to uh, ALS uh, this week, and uh, we just felt it was uh, necessary. Uh, to pay tribute to him uh, this week. Joining us for this special edition is uh, Jay Clark. He is uh, the um, uh, the moderator of many uh, Nickelodeon fan pages. He is also uh, the uh, owner of uh, My Nickelodeon Collection. We've had him on the show uh, displaying some quite unique uh, items on the show. And also uh, joining us always uh, from Old School Lane Podcast is Patricia Miranda, who is uh, broadcasting out of Alabama uh, with us today. Hey, everybody. Uh, hey. So, uh, um, I guess, uh, Patricia, I guess we should start with yourself and uh, say that, uh, I mean, this was, I guess you could say w- this was expected because we knew that he was uh, suffering from ALS this time, but uh, regardless, it's still a very shocking uh, passing away this year. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, um, I guess I put the same question to yourself. Uh, probably was many people were wondering how long he was going to be uh, with us on this world, and uh, I guess even though he has still gone, it's uh, still a very big shock to yourself. Yeah, it, indeed, it was. I mean, we all knew he had ALS, but I guess you know us as Nickelodeon fans and SpongeBob fans, we were all just hoping, and I guess. I guess you could say it was false hope or something. We were just hoping that he was just going to push on through and we'd, you know, 
all be okay in the end. But I guess, you know, in reality, he didn't make it, which is very sad because uh, the thing I noticed that sometimes 90s kids and early 2000s kids, they butt heads on which era had the best cartoons. But with SpongeBob, it was made in 1999, but its prime was in the early 2000s. So 90s kids grew up with it. They saw it rise. I guess you could debate. They saw it fall. But 2000s kids, they also grew up with it. So that's something SpongeBob, which Steven Hillenburg gave to us, is something they share. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, obviously SpongeBob SquarePants is going to play a huge role, I think, in our uh, in our show for this, uh, this week. But uh, I think one thing I would like to kind of start on is kind of like the early days of uh, when he was around because uh, I mean before the whole Nickelodeon craze even began uh, I mean he started off uh, as uh, someone who did uh, smaller animations and uh, one we're probably going to we're going to show later on but uh, I mean he was well known before obviously the Spongebob Squarepants uh, phenomenon came to be in 1999 I mean uh, his uh, work on also the, the Rugrats and also his work on Rocco's Modern Life also can't be overlooked. Right, right. Uh, he definitely was a huge part in Rocco's Modern Life, definitely around the uh, later seasons. He worked uh, as a writer, and then eventually he kind of helped direct a lot of episodes, uh, especially since, um, you know, this was around the time in which when the show was getting close to its cancellation. And so because of um, Steven Hillenburg's work on Rocco's Modern Life, Martin Olsen called him over and said, hey, you know, uh, we need an idea for a, a new show. And he actually saw um, Steven Hillenburg's uh, comic called The Intertidal Zone when he was working as a marine biologist. And he said, no, this is your show. This is what you should do. And basically that's how SpongeBob kind of started. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that uh, we definitely say about um, uh, one thing that also uh, played into his uh, his inspirations, uh, I believe, uh, was his. Uh, I believe he had uh, a background in uh, microbiology, in uh, sorry, marine biology. Yeah, uh, he he was he had a he, he had a love for the marine biology, uh, even more so um, even before then when he he went over to Cal Arts to pursue an animation, and. Uh, he never thought that he was going to do any cartoons. He never even thought that SpongeBob was even going to be a hit. He thought it was just going to be moderately successful, like Ren and Stimpy or Rocco's Modern Life, where they had like four or five seasons. But no, it actually took off. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess the uh, also on top of that as well, like even before even the Nickelodeon time, he did actually win some awards for uh, some of his uh, other shorts. So uh, one and uh, one, I guess we could uh, talk about his wormholes. Which uh, I've got to be honest with you, everybody haven't actually haven't seen because I haven't yet to check any uh, uh, anything down it. But it, I believe it did uh, win some uh, awards in the uh, in the background. So I think in regards to like uh, the like, the the very inner core, I think of the of the animation fandom, I think uh, they knew that uh, someone special was had arrived, and uh, that was uh, Stephen Hillenburg. And uh, I believe also that uh, in his uh, in his in the first heyday, they actually was you know, he wasn't well well known enough to kind of uh, people to spell his last name right because for a, uh, for a time he was actually known as uh, Hillenburg with an E rather than as a U. Yeah. So, and that was a uh, that was a very uh, yeah he's um, I guess you could say I guess he had a lot of fight to uh, put, to put into himself to uh, get his uh, get his name you know well known. And uh, Yeah, sorry, go on. Sure. I I mean it's a simple mistake to be quite fair, but I'm sure that you know it's it could be pretty annoying for somebody who um, you know, to be fair, Hillenburg can be spelled either with an E or with a U. So I'm sure that it kind of slightly frustrated him. Yeah. So, um, so I guess um, one thing we're going to do is uh, it's pretty um, early in, but I think we might as well play it now. Uh, this is actually we're, we're actually going to do a uh, fully enough do a reaction video in a tribute show, which uh, I think uh, some people would uh, find uh, rather quirky, but uh, we're going to do it. So. Uh, this is um, one of the first cartoons that he produ- that he animated, and so uh, shall we take a look? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Blah 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 bl
So I guess this is what uh, Trump's, uh, Donald Trump's idea of Trump TV is going to look like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, it's like uh, you can see right, right off the bat like, where the inspiration came for, like, uh, you know, the, uh, the the fish announcer on the, uh, on the, you know, in, in the Smoky yeah. Square Pants show. Like, uh... I mean, dare I say, there's also some uh, Monty Python kind of inspiration behind it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see where the armadillo came in. The idea that how that is a path. Um, it's probably where you know, we had Proto Gary, you know, a, a very strange pet that you would never expect to see, but it kind of like worked as either a dog or a cat. Yeah. So if you were giant hands just can't catch a break. Yeah. <laughs> the small girl scout. She just wants to sell cookies. Not really similar to SpongeBob. You can see that you can see the inspiration in it, can't you? Yeah. Like the pad's supposed to be Gary, the news spokesman's supposed to be the spokesperson in the in SpongeBob. And causing destruction, very similar to what SpongeBob would do when he's trying to do a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, very crude, but very, uh, very inspirational during the time. I tell you what, actually, it was around the the uh, the, uh, the the late nineties, and uh, I think uh, crude animation definitely was in at the time. I mean, we were so in the, in the in, like in the inner days of the Simpsons, and also the uh, the days of Ren and Stimpy. So like uh, that that era was, uh, I think, uh, you know, Steven Hillenburg fit fit in like a fit fit it all in like a glove, really. You know, and it was mm-hmm. really, that was really part of its time. So. Uh, Anyway, I think uh, we definitely should get into uh, the meat of potatoes. I think that's what many uh, SpongeBob SquarePants fans are going to want to talk about, and that is uh, SpongeBob SquarePants itself. And uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, so uh, I guess I'll start with you, Jay, because you're a guest on the show. I mean, when did uh, when you first saw SpongeBob SquarePants? What were your first initial uh, feelings about it? I've been a fan of SpongeBob SquarePants like since day one. I mean, I love the cartoon. I think I saw SpongeBob SquarePants before. Rocco's Modern Life, so I have more of a connection with Spongebob than Rocco. So, I I love the characters, I love the universe, I love the comedy, and I, I mean, there's not one bad thing I can say about Spongebob. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess, um, and for me, like, Spongebob Squarepants uh, for me was, uh, when I first heard about it, I thought, no, this is a bit of a, you know, a silly show. I mean, we've just come yeah. off uh, Hey Arnold, we've just come off, uh, you know, I, I guess you could say the Rugrats was uh, was pretty crazy in itself, and uh, also there was, um, you know, various, uh, there was Doug as well, uh, that, and I was thinking that, hmm, this is a bit of a, a interesting direction for uh, Nickelodeon to go in. And to give us a, um, yeah, basically, I mean, basically, what was your main character of the show was going to be something you find in your find in your bath, you know, and like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, and so you're really going to have to sell this pretty hard, but uh, no, like uh, you know, they they gave us a show which had a SpongeBob SquarePants, which you know, dare I say, was a, re- a representation of probably a lot of people that I know. And uh, now I know that's that's going to be a pretty crazy thing to say, but uh, there's a lot of people who are kind of like happy-go-lucky and uh, you know do see uh, life the you know through um, through rose-tinted glasses, and uh, there is, and also on top of that sees a, a sense of fun and adventure in things, and uh, you know very very high-spirited person. I think 
um, that does exist, and I think has inspired a lot of people, you know, uh, growing up today, who feel like, you know, they're not necessarily kind of, okay, they're out on their own, and uh, they're uh, they're living not necessarily living in a pineapple under the sea, but you know, they've uh, they got the, you know they're they're in a house, they got some self like you know not the best paying job, but at least it keeps them going. And uh, dare I say, SpongeBob SquarePants, I think even to, I think today is kind of a good representation. I think of uh, you know, but give it, put away the uh, the cartoon silliness. I think it's a situation that you can relate to. I think in a lot of young people that are walking around today. I think so. I yeah, I, I, definitely I think agree that, with that. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think ahead. that um, for Nickelodeon, they were. You know, they were essentially trying to see if they could be able to find the next big hit because at the time, Rugrats was their huge cash cow. We already had gotten the Rugrats movie a year prior, and it was the first animated movie that was not done by Disney to make $100 million. And a lot of people thought that, um, you know, Cat Dog was going to be the next big hit in terms of, you know, rivaling against Rugrats. And while Cat Dog was a moderate success, uh, SpongeBob was the one that kind of took it, which, believe it or not, at the time, uh, Nickelodeon wasn't even considering on picking up SpongeBob. But then, you know, due to. A lot of people, you know, making convince, um, you know, convincing that, hey, you know, I think this will be a great uh, show for kids. Then they eventually did pick it up, and then you know, look where, it, look where it got to today, in which we're it's still airing. You know, it's the longest running '90s Nickelodeon show ever. Mm -hmm. I think um, one of the great things about it is that you start off with a very strong character. And I think that's uh, where a lot of cartoons kind of like fall into a problem. And that is that uh, when you don't have a uh, strong character on the show, when you don't have like a strong, well-rounded uh, character like Arnold, like Doug, like um, like Tommy from, uh, from from the Rugrats and or any, any of the other characters as well. When you don't have someone who's like kind of like well-rounded and like someone who has, uh, you know, when you limit their possibilities, the likelihood is that character is not going to last very long. And uh, that was the great thing, I think, about SpongeBob because he was... Uh, uh, he's a character that uh, they created to um, kind of like they can put him in m m multiple situations and uh, have him still come out as looking, you know, as a as a convincing, you know, uh, convincing a a protagonist. And uh, I think uh, that's something that I think that Stephen, you know, re I think realized from the get go that he uh, he needed something that was uh, going to be friendly with kids and also was going to be familiar familiar with the audience as well. And uh, that's something I think uh, you can't really take you can't take away from him at all. I think in that regard, so definitely. Because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in the pilot episode, SpongeBob's one hundred percent determined to you know get the job at the Krusty Krab, but you know he's still a little nervous because he has a little pep talk with Patrick, so that makes him a little bit more realistic. Because when people go. This even goes to adults, because when people go to their first job, they're nervous, and Patrick tells them, you can get that job, and he says, I'm ready. And so I think that really helped, for especially a pilot episode, really helped people connect with SpongeBob, because he's uplifting, as he's supposed to be for a main character, but he's also, you know, somewhat realistic, mm -hmm. because he's nervous for his first real job. Yeah. So what do we think of Patrick Starr as his, um, basically as his... Um second in pretty much second in command i guess you could say in the in the show um he's funny <laughs> think, he's funny <laughs> first I, thing that came to mind I, I think his um i think his innocent slash absent-mindedness i think uh obviously pros him to get into kind of some kind of situation and then spongebob squarepants can like bring it somewhat bring it out out of out of that, out of that trouble but uh, then i think you know also uh, i think spongebob's naivety i think uh, also the great thing i think about patrick was that it was easy just to kind of make him like uh, oh he's just kind of like you know he's 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 as dumb as the rock that he lives under but uh, i mean yeah. the the i think the best thing about him is that not they didn't really go that far necessarily with him i think some of the some of the, the uh the, i think some of the you know the 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 less well well put together episodes of Spongebob Squarepants. I would say that doesn't show Patrick Starr necessarily in the best of light. I mean, there are some that show him as mini-spirited, and there are some that show him as uh, as really as a, as a very stupid character. But then when you do get other episodes in the show 
which uh, do show that he has uh, somewhat of an idea of the stuff that's kind of going on around him, and uh, that, and also this kind of this friendship loyalty towards SpongeBob as well. So I think in that regard, I think uh, those those better episodes, I think show that show Patrick Star in a, in a good light. I think actually show him in a in a brilliant in a brilliant light. But I think uh, those weaker episodes, which uh, show him as kind of a bit mean spirited, I think, and show him as a as a not very well. I think it kind of just played to his. Uh, his dumbness, I think, to, to kind of like get a laugh, a cheap laugh out of the audience. I think, uh, I mean, I think that's what makes him uh, a kind of a, of a mixture of a character to me. And uh, you can put that on the writer and you can put that on the um, person who, uh, you know, was responsible for those uh, those episodes. But um, I think um, those episodes where you saw Stephen was in charge, you definitely knew that uh, uh, Patrick looks really good in it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they could have easily written him off as like just a generic stupid character. You you ever see in various cartoons in which the whole shtick of a particular sidekick is that he's dumb, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. But I think the the thing that makes Patrick a very endearing character is that he's loyal and that he has a lot of funny moments. The funny moments that really stick out among SpongeBob fans as very quotable and just very, very charming. And I think that's what makes Patrick stand out compared to like a character who's just stupid for stupid's sake. Yeah. We're going to talk about Squidward. Uh, Squidward, uh, I think, is uh, dare I say, I think that I think I would say, uh, like a character like Squidward, I thought they took a really interesting risk because I mean, we've kind of seen the annoying neighbor before, kind of like the uh, the the, uh, the the down spirited neighbor before. I mean, if you remember, yeah. like uh, Mr. Wilson, yeah, Mr. From Bighead. De- uh, yeah, Mr. Bighead from Rockos. Yeah, yeah. Heck, I'll even go further than that. Uh, uh, Mr. Wilson from Dennis and the Menace. Like, sure, uh, back that's, in the that's day. another example. Yeah, so I think, uh, but the fact that uh, they, you know, made him, um, I guess you could say, uh, you know, he, I think one with his like his uh, terrible music ability. I think uh, they gave him a little bit of ego, and uh, they kind of gave him this, uh, you know, this this kind of like no, not hatred, but I think he's kind of like this. Uh, he looks at SpongeBob SquarePants and he just thinks he just looks like this uh, this idiot that uh, you know is uh, too you know too you know he's just um, not aware of all the things around him that he's far more well grounded I think Yeah than, I uh, think that was one of the best is. things about Squidward is that he thinks he is so above SpongeBob and Patrick because because of his love of art and music he thinks that he is superior to both of them but if you want to take a look at their art, uh, the art and the music that Squidward has produced, it hasn't been like praised at all. In fact, it was deemed as like completely mediocre or just straight up garbage. And that's a very interesting thing about Squidward is that he strives to be the best, but he is going to be stuck in the average range or in the mediocre range. And I think that's kind of like the brilliant tragedy of the character. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, so I'm just screwing through the tributes at the minute, and uh, I have to yeah, say, yeah, that the, the great thing about um, all of this is, is that, uh, I mean, the uh, amount of emotion, I think, that, and also the inspiration for, like, other animators, I think, that, uh, and also on top of the outside of thing as well, I mean, one of the uh, uh, Instagram posts we saw in um, uh, the in the intro was uh, the famous uh, fo- footballer Cristiano Ronaldo. The fact that he was a SpongeBob SquarePants fan, like uh, the fact that this uh, reached out towards uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of people, I think uh, that that definitely can't be ignored. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of celebrities who claim yeah. to be huge SpongeBob fans for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess one of the things that uh, we never. Um, uh, I think we appreciate in the SpongeBob phenomenon was that uh, it had this ability to kind of like reach around the world and uh, you know be able to be you know so it's like translated into like what, what hundreds of languages as well. Like I mean like yeah. there's, people, there's people in Japan that uh, you know uh, are probably singing the Japanese version of SpongeBob. Mind you, imagine if uh, there's one thing interesting about uh, the fact that it's reached around the world, but uh, I don't think there's actually been there's been a Powerpuff Girls anime, but there hasn't been a, a SpongeBob SquarePants anime. As far as I'm aware, a SpongeBob anime. My God, that would be so crazy. <laughs> I mean, yes, there has been a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anime. There's been a Powerpuff Girls anime. I mean, it's it's not too surprising that we've had um, various um, you know languages uh, you know translated over to 
you know, people from all over the world so they can be able to see it. But yeah, uh, the fact that, um, you know, seeing an anime based off SpongeBob, I mean, anime can be pretty crazy in itself, but imagine what would happen if SpongeBob was turned into an anime. That that would be just, wow, that would, that would be incredibly mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, we're actually going to sidetrack a little bit from characters, and uh, what do we think of Sandy? I think uh, um, I like Sandy. Yes. I think she's yeah, a really good character. Yeah, I tell you what, she was uh, she surprised me. I uh, and again, I think that's the that's the great thing I think about what we hear about SpongeBob SquarePants. The amount of surprise that we get from this show, like uh, like the fact that it, was, yeah. it felt unpredictable. Like uh, here's this squirrel that's moved underwater and uh, it's really you know is is uh, subjected now to an underwater suit except for this kind of like this dome that she kind of lives in where she can actually be yeah. in her natural habitat you know we talk about the fish out of water let's talk about the squirrel out of the tree like uh, mm-hmm. it's like it's uh, it's uh, it was great and i think the introduction episodes for her and uh, showing her off as this so yeah she's uh, you know this um uh, someone from obviously from the american south but uh, obviously knows karate and uh, you know her uh, her character reflects off SpongeBob and Patrick, and uh, also other other people in Bikini Bottom. I think uh, the fact uh, she was a very, I think she became, came in as a very, uh, uh, a very powerful character, and uh, which in a way actually kind of works. Sometimes can work to your advantage, and then other times cannot, because uh, we all remember what happened when Lila was introduced to Hey Arnold. And uh, that didn't yeah, go down very fair, well. Sandy was introduced in the first episode in one of the in the, one of the segments. Uh, Lila was introduced like towards the middle of the series. Mm, yeah, she she was in the season though. True. So like, uh, but uh, I just think I mean I think San, I think what they did with San, where Sandy was done right. I think where Lila got wrong. I think Sandy did right. I think. Yeah, I because argue. you did see that Sandy went through her major struggles, like when she was missing her hometown, and um, you know she's very neurotic. She's always trying to be a perfectionist and trying to do her experiments, and um, she can be a little bit cocky at times and very overconfident and trying to prove her points. So I think that's you know some of the flaws that are able to make Sandy a little bit more relatable than Lila, where she did have a little bit of an inkling of a flaw when it was revealed that her that her, her father and her were poor, and then they moved to the countryside, but then it was just all wiped clean, and now she's just middle, little, little Miss Perfect, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people can make their arguments that mm-hmm. that was where she kind of just fell apart. Yeah, I just think, I mean, that's where I would concede as a, is, and you're talking to a massive Hey Arnold fan here, I would concede, I think that uh, Sandy is a far better character than Lila. So, um, that's... Uh, that's what, that's what you get in SpongeBob fans. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, so I mean, then we work our way up to um, you know the Krusty Krab, and uh, we obviously get the uh, the greedy boss, Mister Krabs. And uh, so yeah. I think uh, the great thing about it is though is that uh, I think they somehow made a, a very very greedy and very na- narcissistic character, and yet made him somewhat lovable. I think throughout the show. Uh, in a way, and uh, because they kind of molded him as like saying, "Oh, he was this old, you know, he was this old sea captain from back in the day, and now he's, uh, you know, settled down with the Krusty Krab, and uh, now he wants to make a load of money." And, yeah. Uh, so like, uh, it was, um, yeah, like yeah. Uh, when they, when they go when they when they flash back to like uh, like his days in on the sea on the sea, and, like uh, saying, "Oh, well, there's uh, 13 swears that you're allowed to say," and then Squidward says, "I thought there was only seven. And it's like not if you're a sea captain, you're not." So. <laughs> <laughs> The thing about Mr. Krabs is that uh, the one quality about him is that he's greedy. But the thing about him in the classic episodes of SpongeBob is that what I really like about him is that he's more of like a father figure to SpongeBob and actually Patrick, too. Because you like in the episode you just mentioned, he tells him not to curse and stuff. And a lot of the hooky episode, he tells him not to go on the hooks and just a lot of episodes. He just gives them life lessons. He's I really see him as like a, a father figure to them. Exactly, and uh, I think the fact that I think the tough love aspects of him as well. I think uh, obviously yeah. is I think it, I think it brings a balanced dynamic. I think to the uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants show, where it's like you know, hey, life's not always you know all sunshine and rainbows and bubbles, you know, and uh, so I think uh, again with like Squidworth and I think like with Mr. Krabs, I think there's characters in there that bring more realism. Dare I say more realism to the show. And uh, definitely this, this realism to this this uh, this uh, this idea of uh, the bikini bottom being under the, under the sea mm-hmm. and everything. So uh, 
I think uh, I think that in itself I think is a very good thing. So, um, also uh, I mean, then they were introduced also to actually, where was Plankton introduced in the show? I'm trying to yeah, uh, Plankton, Plankton in season one. Yeah, season one. Go ahead. So he wasn't. So, um, so I think uh, for me, uh, I mean, uh, it was kind of, it's kind of weird seeing uh, Plankton to start off with because, like, uh, I mean, SpongeBob at that, on the, until that point, I think, didn't really have like a main antagonist of the show, and then all of a sudden we end up with Plankton, yeah. who is, uh, you know, is is a very his his character is the most dominant thing about him. In uh, I would say he's probably um, what would happen. I think if they decided to do like a, a series of Shrek and they had to have Lord Farquaad as the antagonist, I think. And um, I think <laughs> yeah, that, I yeah. agree. And you could even uh, you could even make the argument that you could even uh, some kids could look up to Plankton because he never gives up. He's a small character like Yoda. You could say you know uh, he. You look up to him because he never gives up, even though he's evil. But he never go. He still goes after his dream of stealing the Krabby Patty formula. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, the the great thing about it is is that he's not just some other uh, Saturday morning cartoon villain, like uh, you know, like say, yeah. you know, Mother Brain out of Captain Men and the Game Master. Like you know, he's uh, he, he's he's well rounded. Like he has flaws. I think uh, we we definitely mm-hmm. can say as for I mean he can't even like his love life is even artificial like he's literally got a computer <laughs> yeah. wife like, and his computer wife makes fun of his name Sheldon <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah all that as well like remember the episode where he has he hatches another scheme to get the Krabby Patty formula and he ends up having to bring in his like his uh, hillbilly cousins to kind of like uh, help you know, yeah. steal it all and everything <laughs> and um, yeah it was just it was. Uh, you know, stuff like that, like, where you have a villain, and you know that, uh, yeah, you can see that, I mean, dare I say, maybe he's probably better than Bowser, I think, maybe from Super Mario? Could, I mean, I Bowser say. doesn't even talk, first of all. Well, he took and, King Cooper, yeah. I guess, in the Super Mario Brothers show, I guess. I, uh, okay, like... okay, sure, sure. I guess that could kind of count if you want to talk about the cartoons. But, um, yeah, I think that with Bowser, I mean, he has... Uh, like what all of his minions and he's going after the princess for what for domination to um i don't know like it, it's never really clear on why what his motivation is but we know what plankton's motivation is he wants to steal the krabby patty formula so that his restaurant the chum bucket could be a success because nobody likes chum yeah and I think the great thing about also Plankton as well is that uh, they, they they can put him in goofy situations because that's the that's the world that he lives in and that's kind of like you know and obviously that they expensiate his flaws as well so uh, they can like show him being like you know flattened and uh, you know uh, you know going through a bad day and things like that and uh, you know the chum bucket being completely empty because no one wants to eat there and stuff and so like uh, there's um, th- there's th- there's room to work with that i think uh, you know comparing with other other villains i think from other shows i mean i don't expect anyone to be familiar with the dreamstone uh, you know, a show back way back in the day. Never heard about, of ne- it. Never heard of it. All right, there's a villain there. There's a villain there called Zordrak, and uh, he is like you know, I'm trying to find the best way. He's kind of like Ganondorf. I guess you could say, in like in uh, in this world, but you know, there's with a character like that, there's very little you can do for like comedic value in a sense, and uh, and when it's done, it's extremely desperate because there's what you know, you see this like horrific, nightmarish creature, like a kind of dragon-like creature, like and he, he looks like a really like really scary guy, and then you know, just for a cheap laugh at one point, you know, we're talking about seasons in in the Dreamstone, they 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 uh, put him in a Hawaiian shirt. Which is like, you know, like, imagine putting Ganondorf in a Hawaiian shirt. Like, you know, if, if you think about that for yeah. a second. Like, uh, so, I mean, with Langton, you can do, you can go down that route because that's the, that's the, you know, that's the world. You can, and you can still make him really evil. And like, you know, to uh, do, you know, hatch these schemes and things. And so I think uh, that's, uh, I think that was um, an antagonist, you know, for that world well done. I think, and uh, no, no one can take away that, uh, you know, Plankton, I think, will probably be, dare I say, one of the top ten villains, at least top ten villains, I think, in uh, in animation. I think. I can see that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, I mean, do you want to go into um, the movies, I guess? You know, talking into... Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. I guess when... It, I mean, this is where the fandom kind of, like, divides into two. 
I think, because I think there's some people who say, yeah. like, you know, all the movies that... Oh, sorry, all the episodes of Spongebob that were before this first Spongebob... We're talking about the first Spongebob Squarepants film. I know there's been, like, uh, you know, what, two others now, I think, and also there's been a lot yeah, of... There's, yeah, there's well. been two. Uh, yeah, there's two. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, in regards to me, in regards to the Spongebob Squarepants movie, I can see why it made the money, but uh, obviously for it being Spongebob Squarepants, would I necessarily say it's a good movie? I'd probably have to walk on that. I'll be honest with you, because, I mean, it's, uh, for me, like, uh, you know, they, they go on this, like, uh, like adventure and uh, just, you know, going off to get this, uh, you know, this uh, King Neptune's crown, which uh, I think, you know, King Neptune wasn't really uh, announced in the show until until the movie, I guess. Well, actually, he was. He was in the, the episode. Show. Yeah, in uh, the spatula episode. Okay, so he was in one episode. You know, yeah, but he was. Yeah. But he looked totally different. different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that I think like, that was uh, I, I think the fact that they introduced a um a character and I think uh, they made him like into kind of like one of the I don't know, they kind of made him like into one of the threats of the show and then all of a sudden there was Plankton and then there was uh, it was uh, the story was a bit messy for me. I think. Um, yeah. Sure. I, I mean, it's definitely very different than you would you would expect from SpongeBob. I always kind of imagined that you know, the people behind this movie were heavily influenced by Pee-wee's Big Adventure because it's pretty much like the same plot. They go on a huge adventure to retrieve something and they go to a biker bar. There's a Twisted Sister song. And if you look at the poster, it says the the, the tagline is, uh, you know, what was it? Like hero, uh, legend, and... Um, adventure or something like that uh, i'm just going to take a look at the poster really quick but <laughs> yeah i think that um you know it, it has been stated by hillenberg that you know one of the major inspirations for spongebob was peewee herman as well as jerry lewis and you can definitely tell because he has such a bubblistic and hyperactive personality and he his he's pretty much friends with everybody he he's not like particular with anybody that he befriends he, he just loves everybody and he just has such a pure heart and um i think that with um spongebob being so optimistic is what really draws a lot of people into liking him which you know kind of uh you know, makes Squidward look like kind of a mean person because, you know, why, why would you, you know, have SpongeBob become, uh, you know, why would you have, you know, hate somebody like SpongeBob? Oh, here it is. I found it. Okay. So it's hero legend sponge. That's what the tagline of the poster is. And if you ever take a look at big top Huey, that's the second movie that was uh, featuring Huey Herman. His tagline is hero legend lover. So it, you can definitely see like the similarities in you know both of the movies, which I'm surprised not a lot of people have. A lot of people when they compare SpongeBob, they always seem to bring up Finding Nemo, which came out I believe a year prior than you know the the SpongeBob movie. Which I guess I could see that you know a father trying to go on a huge adventure to find his son, but yeah, uh, but I can definitely see the similarities between those. But um, as for my thoughts of it, I think it's a nice movie. Um, it's definitely a lot better than Rugrats Go Wild, that's for sure. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, but I, I think. Yeah, sorry, go on. I, I think that you know, I, I've I've heard a lot of people you know give uh, you know fondness for the movie. Um, I can see. Um, you know, people like praising it as like one of their favorite childhood movies. I wouldn't be surprised if people, you know, uh, saw this movie in theaters as like their first movie. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, but the, the one thing I will certainly give credit for about the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants movie is that uh, a lot of the fans loved it. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a hardcore SpongeBob SquarePants fan by any any sense of the imagination. I would say it's kind of past my time. But uh, yeah, me regard, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, the one thing I will say about it is, is that yeah, it did um, it did bring. Well, dare I say, the box office I think definitely brought in the money. I believe, and so I'm trying yeah. to remember what it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely tell you that it's definitely um, a lot more than what the Rugrats uh, Rugrats Go Wild bring brought up because Rugrats Go Wild was. You know, it, it, it did okay in the box office, but it received, like, mixed to negative reviews. And I feel that this was one of the things that killed the Rugrats franchise after going on for, like, 13 okay, years. I, I, and I've got it here. It's, uh, it was a $30 million budget with, and it made $140 million. So it was, it was on, it's on par with the Rugrats movie, basically. 
So. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I, I think that with um, you know the Rugrats franchise kind of like draining and being around for so long that it was just like really tired and people were just hating on Rugrats because it's been around for so long and they wanted to see it end. And then when SpongeBob had its um, theatrical debut, it just pretty much just exploded into even more of the mainstream than it already was. Mm -hmm. So um, the um, one thing I'll definitely say after the uh, the movie, I mean, obviously the uh, the SpongeBob phenomenon was like in massively full swing. I mean, does anyone remember the uh, was it the SpongeBob Summer Splash specials that they used to do on Nickelodeon? I don't know. If, I don't know if they're still doing them now. I kind of remember. Yeah, I don't think they do them now, but I I recall that. I remember that. Yeah, because uh, they used to do like this. You know, they they even did a whole animated segment for it where they'd uh, announce like, oh, it's. Uh, Here's, um, you know, here's SpongeBob Summer Splash, and uh, here's, here's what we're going to see on the show. And uh, they had basically had SpongeBob SquarePants not only basically having his own cartoon, but basically hosting Nickelodeon. So uh, it was, um, it, yeah, he, he basically became the face. He, he still is now. He still is the face of Nickelodeon to yeah. this day. And yeah, and, and he really would pretty much just, like, uh, take the spot for the uh, in terms of, like, being the mascot. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, uh, I'll mm -hmm. say this, I mean, uh, people are going to find it very strange that even I myself are doing this, uh, you know, doing a, a tribute show for Steven, and despite the fact, you know, all my, you know, criticisms of uh, Spongebob, but here's the thing about this, like, um, I mean, we can go into the politics of everything that goes, that happened at Nickelodeon Studios, but at the same time, you can't deny that Spongebob Squarepants was... Um, the you know Nickelodeon's biggest show, regardless of what may have happened behind the scenes, like uh, you know when when they went went into yeah. a, when they went into a battle uh, for you know hearts and minds with uh, for trying to get views on the on the television on on the TV, like uh, and trying to you know and they're up against Disney and they're up against um. Um, they're up against you know Cartoon Network and things like that. You know you you are going to want to go in with your biggest fighter, and that biggest fighter, if your biggest fighter is going to be that yellow sponge, then you're going to go with it, aren't you? So. Yeah, a, a lot of people seem to find that is its detriment that you know um, that Nickelodeon was ruined because of SpongeBob because every time that a new Nicktoon would come along and try to you know be the next SpongeBob, it would just not even be remotely successful. Like. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender was probably the closest in terms of like being a huge success, but then we found out what happened with Legend of Korra, and then Mike and Brian were just like fed up with what Nickelodeon was doing and then left to pursue other projects. And um, I think the closest that we probably will get in terms of like a hit is The Loud House. Mm, well, I mean, so we, we we give all um, you know we give all love to the Loud House because obviously we know it's a we know it's a good show and uh, but uh, you know obviously with uh, I mean I, I, I'll be interested to see what uh, you know although I mean it's thing I'm not sure if any other um, creators at the moment have uh, come up with tributes or anything like that or at the moment so uh, I mean I know Nickelodeon has, I know has Joe all, Murray has yeah I know Nickelodeon came out with uh, official statements yeah. as well and. Uh, and also, well, heck, you know, a lot of um, you know the uh, the entertainment world has uh, come out saying, "Oh, come, you know, it's uh, a very sad week for animation," and uh, and and that. So, uh, I'm interested to see how. Oh, uh, uh, I was just sure if anyone at Disney's recently reacted or anything like that. So, I'm interested to see how uh, how uh, they uh, how they how they go for. Because you remember when uh, Jim Henson died, and uh, yeah. they actually oh, we had that in the tribute show as well in the tribute intro and. Uh, they they did that they brought drew that uh, with Mickey Mouse you know consoling Kermit the Frog, and obviously people yeah I remember been, that yeah yeah and obviously we've had uh, you know various uh, um, parodies of that as well and it's, so it's uh, that's that was, that was a very powerful image back in the back in the time and you can see as we're going through now we've even got even more you know powerful ones as well and uh, so. I think that's, that's that's a great legacy. I think for um, for SpongeBob SquarePants, the fact that it's uh, you know inspiring so many other um, animators as well. And uh, well, you know, for better or for worse, because unfortunately, I think we've had a lot of shows that have basically tried to be copycats of SpongeBob SquarePants, but just can't capture the magic. Coconut Fred. Yeah, and uh, it's a shame. It's a shame, really, that uh, I mean, because on uh, uh, I don't think uh, also one thing as well. I think it's a bit unfair that uh, some people say that it's also uh, another another. Um, Reason why uh, Cal Arts has become so popular within uh, you know the main you know uh, fr framework of animation, and I don't know like uh, I think that is a tiny little bit unfair because you can, can still see like uh, if that's how people have basically been brought up into doing you know uh, animated features, 
and uh, that uh, you know they know that the um, you know the, the the winning formula is the uh, they think that the winning formula is obviously the way uh, that it's drawn and uh, not the uh, not the characters and that I think to put that all on SpongeBob SquarePants and put it all on Steven Hillenburg is a little bit unfair. I think mm. it's a little bit. It's like you can't blame people for trying to uh, you know obviously try and go for a, a winning a, a winning formula, but obviously not you know minus the uh, the character building and uh, making you know a, a well-rounded character making it memorable. I think, and so uh, I think uh, I think that's one criticism. I think that goes a bit too far, I guess, a little bit. But sure, uh, yeah. But you know, there was other movies as well, and uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I've not really seen anything outside because for me, like, I think that I think we can all agree that the the, the biggest, uh, probably the best SpongeBob SquarePants episodes, I think, are pre-movie. Uh, sorry, post-movie. Sorry, pre-movie. Agreed. I think I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, I personally I, think, if you don't mind me saying that. Yeah. I personally think that the series went downhill after the movie, which I I know you both said you're not that big fans of the movie. I the first movie, I happen to love the movie, but oh, I know no, I it's like, not. I like I, the movie. I, I like the movie. Yeah. Uh, I just am not a you know gigantic fan of it like a lot of people are. But to be fair, you know SpongeBob was past my time. I was 13 when the show first aired. I was more or less introduced to the show when my younger cousins were watching it every single day. And when I got older, I learned to appreciate and respect the show more than absolutely go crazy over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, please, please continue. Yeah. So uh, basically, after the SpongeBob movie, Steven Hillenburg, from my understanding, left SpongeBob. And then when I watched season four, I was like, this feels totally different. So I basically stopped watching SpongeBob up till Sponge Out of Water. I never watched another movie or another episode. So when I watched Sponge Out of Water, I actually really enjoyed it. And I think Sponge Out of Water, the latest SpongeBob movie, is way better than the first SpongeBob movie. And that was actually really hard for me to admit that because the first SpongeBob movie was like it was actually a big part of my childhood. I mean, I'm more of a Hey Arnold fan than I am a SpongeBob fan, but but I well, think the first SpongeBob movie is better than the Hey Arnold movie. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I would agree that the SpongeBob movie is probably is is better than the Hey Arnold movie. I think uh, that I definitely can say about that. Whether it's better than the Jungle movie, I think uh, we'll have to have a massive. It's talk. not better than the Jungle movie. It's definitely not better than the Jungle movie. No, <laughs> no movie is better. No movie is better than the Jungle movie. Wow, well, well, I, uh, I, uh, Great Battle is my idol, but I also have my limits as yeah. well in regards to how much I worship. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, in in regards to fish, uh, Sponge Out of Water, I think. I think it was a. I think it was a necessary. I think that this is what the the first movie should have been because uh, I have only just watched the trailers. But just by watching the trailer, I could already see that uh, they look like they were trying to at least bring SpongeBob like uh, out 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 of his uh, elements, if you will. Because in the Sponge, I think in the first SpongeBob movie, you kind of feel like you still were watching like one of the episodes of the show, and uh, except for like probably like the final third when they just randomly brought in David Hasselhoff to save the day, like. Uh, I, I think um, with uh, with Sponge out of uh, out of water. Uh, yeah, again, I've yet to watch the movie. Maybe I might even watch it uh, later on after this. But uh, I think uh, from looking from what I saw, I could easily say, okay, they're definitely trying to bring SpongeBob into the next level, trying to bring him up to the next elements, if you will. Because I think wasn't after the um, you know obviously in the, the end of the set of the first movie, uh, SpongeBob became the manager of the Krusty Krab too. Did they actually ever address that yeah. after the movie? No, and that's what I didn't like about it. Like, Plankton got the formula, and then SpongeBob's the manager. But then in the first episode of season four, where the second Krusty Krab isn't there, he's not the manager. Plankton's still trying to go after the formula. So I was like, totally confused. Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> that's they, why I left the show after that. Yeah, were, they, were they trying to like retrospectively like have this have this as like the end of like the entire show? If you yeah, will, like, the first like, SpongeBob yeah. movie. Yeah, so, I've like, heard like, theories. Yeah, about that. so it's like, yeah, this is actually the end of like the the SpongeBob saga, but we decided to make it now instead of like you know seasons into the into the future. I mean, uh, yeah. let's take a look into it. I mean, the SpongeBob movie came out in two thousand four. This was when Klasky Chupo were in their lowest point. Every single show from Klasky Chupo ended in two thousand four. Rugrats had ended. Rocket Power had ended. While Thornberries had ended. As told by Ginger, had ended. And I believe that this was when um, All Grown Up was in like its 
first or second season, but um, you know, they would continue on until like 2007. And then we had regrets preschool days. So yeah, uh, their biggest cash cow in terms of like all the shows from Klasky Chupo were pretty much done. You had Danny Phantom, you had my life as a teenage robot. You had the fairly odd parents, which I would claim was probably the closest that they would have to a huge success, but it was still kind of in its infancy. It was like three years old. So I take it that with the release of the SpongeBob movie and all the money that it brought in and all the people loving it, they I believe that Nickelodeon was kind of like backing themselves into a corner. It's like, you know, Steven Hillenburg wants to end the show and um, he wants to leave after the movie. What do we do? Um, do we continue it or do we just let it end and hopefully that we can get another hit amongst what we have? And there was practically nothing. I mean, sh the shows were moderately successful, but they weren't like gigantic pop culture icons like SpongeBob. So lo and behold, let's continue the series without Hillenburg because it's still making us a whole bunch of money. Very similar to the thought process of Toei and Akira Toriyama when he was done with Dragon Ball Z and then they decided to create Dragon Ball GT, which the fan base still hates to this day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we're up to, uh, we're nearly at the end of our tribute show, and uh, I thought I'd bring this up just as our uh, our last bit of the show, and uh, I want to get everyone's thoughts on this. Um, so there's a position right now for the National Football League at the Super Bowl to play, to play Sweet Victory at um, in the halftime show. Um, uh, Patricia, you mean like yeah, the actual band, or do you want to see like a, a, or a video yeah. of well, them performing it? Well, have you seen it? Do you remember when I sent you that link for uh, Splatoon? Uh, that concert yes. that was there? Yeah, like maybe maybe even probably do something like that. Like, you know, you have some like mm. uh, your screens up and like, uh, yeah, actually Spongebob actually singing uh, Sweet Victory mm. and uh, to, to the crowd. Interesting. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool to do. Like, I mean, if, if like, like, get, like a huge band, uh, you know, like the football band, like performing the song and then leading up to SpongeBob and everybody singing. That that'd be, actually, that'd be kind of awesome. It'll actually get me interested in watching the Super Bowl if that happens. I tell you what, it actually will. And be I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know this, but last yesterday, the producer of the NFL actually tweeted about this position. Wow. Hmm. So, uh... so it could happen. I'm, they know about it at least. Okay then. Well, I tell you what, if if uh, I say you must be living under a bigger rock than Patrick Starr if you didn't know about it, because right now there's like four hundred and six thousand <laughs> uh, signatures on it and growing, and including I've signed it too. So uh, they have. Like, wow. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. I don't even watch Very the cool. I don't even watch the Super Bowl. Like uh, it's the only time I probably ever <laughs> yeah. would ever consider watching NFL is they actually came. You know, if they do come over again for, uh, you know, I happen to be in London at the time, but uh, you know, so. Uh, Hey, we might uh, we might actually get it. So, and it'd be kind of cool to watch. To uh, and uh, mind you, like uh, I probably imagine, like uh, I wouldn't know what the I imagine what the negotiations are going to be like because uh, you probably imagine the NFL might charge. Hopefully, they won't charge any money for it because it's, it's a tribute to Stephen Hill Hillenburg. Hopefully, they'll just see it as that. But hopefully, they won't turn around to Viacom and say, "Well, we want this amount of money for it because it's a we will call it a halftime commercial," like you know, and mm -hmm. uh, that. that. I kind of like hope that uh, they'll say yeah, but hopefully they'll just keep it at that and they say okay, bring on SpongeBob SquarePants and uh, let's do this amazing tribute because I'm sure, I'm sure there's NFL players and dare I say NFL you know staff there that have grown up with SpongeBob. Like you know, it's it's not inconceivable yeah. to think that uh, there's that generation there that uh, were inspired by it and uh, the, you know look, uh, there's even sports people that are in, all sorts of sports people that are inspired by this character. Awesome. I mean, it's like yeah, The Simpsons. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody knows about SpongeBob, so I'm sure everyone at the NFL knows about the silly yellow sponge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sure. I, I even remember um, just thinking about it right now when I went to meet Roger Bumpus at Florida Supercon. Uh, I believe this was actually a part of a Q&A. We're discussing about that song. And I think it was that they heard the song from an album and then, you know, they actually, you know, got permission to do the song. It's not like the song was written specifically for the episode. So they, you know, very similar to how, you know, they would have various, um, you know, rock bands like Pantera to, you know, come by and, you know, perform music, you know, or something from their albums, you know, later on, you know, David Glenn Isley's song would eventually become part of the SpongeBob album. So it has pretty much been cemented as something that was associated with SpongeBob. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, we have uh, reached the end of our show. 
So um, yeah. yeah. Uh, right before we go, I have one more story to talk about. Now, now thinking about the meetup with uh, Roger Bumpus. So there was a person who was right in front of me when I was um, waiting in line to get his picture. Uh, there was a, a teenager. I think he was like around. 15 or 16 years old he was dressed up as the scout from team fortress 2 and he had a, the spongebob movie dvd and he met up with uh roger saying you know i i i lived in a bunch of foster homes and uh i would um you know tr go from home to home and then eventually i did get a permanent home when I was like eight or nine years old. And the, one of my fondest memories was that I would run home every day to watch SpongeBob. And um, this uh, was like really touching for Roger. I remember that when he was signing it, he was kind of like almost in tears when he was like signing the autograph. And, you know, the kid was like really excited to meet up with him and telling a whole bunch of SpongeBob memories and such. And, you know, then when I eventually met him, I, you know, shook his hand. I got a picture with him and, then I remember like all the Q and A's that Roger was a part of. And then a year later I met up with Lori Allen, who was the voice of Pearl. They had a huge Q and A together and there were so many kids, so, so many kids with their parents talking about how much they love SpongeBob. And, it, you know, as somebody who never really grew up with it, I, I, it just struck me immediately that, man, this is what SpongeBob means to a lot of people. And, you know, I can't take that away from them. If people are still complaining about, oh, SpongeBob has ran for too long and it's getting tired at this point, then just remember that there's still a bunch of people who are just getting introduced to SpongeBob for the first time or are, are you know, starting to get into this show. And if you're saying that, you know, SpongeBob should end, I mean, just think about all those kids who are, you know, loving this show and, just imagine about you know that taking that away from them that would be really sad because it it means something to them it, it gravitates to them in a personal way and i think that that's really noble of spongebob it's definitely going to be one of the shows that people will remember forever mm -hmm. uh jake any final thoughts uh well i just have to say that i well i want to add something to what she said uh I am one of those people that I like to trash the new SpongeBob, but on my tribute video to my first tribute video to Steven Hillenburg, I said that I think for today and just for a couple days, let's not fight about the new SpongeBob and debate which one is better. Let's just appreciate what we have and appreciate what we grew up with. And let's just, you know, leave it at that. Let's not, let's not argue. Let's not debate. This isn't the time for debates. Yeah. Okay. And so... Aaron, before you close off, I was hoping that maybe you could play my tribute video uh, to Steven Hellenberg. Okay. Um, if you uh, send it to me, I'll um, see if I can uh, do that yeah, for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So in the meantime, uh, I think I do remember... Um, another story uh, discussing about, um, you know, the Q&A with Roger Bumpus that I remember that he was um, answering a kid's question about, you know, uh, the show being completely different as it is now. And um, I think he mentioned that one of the, you know, besides Steven Hillenburg, you know, leaving to, you know, um, pursue and other things or to kind of take a break because, you know, he felt like he was done with the show. Roger also mentioned about like his wife at the, uh, was like sick with cancer at the time and he was taking care of his family. And, you know, since then, you know, she has been remissed, uh, no longer having the cancer. And that was around the time when he decided, Hey, you know, I'm going to see if I can go back to work on doing SpongeBob again. And uh, it's kind of sad knowing that, you know, Steven was back doing SpongeBob, around the later seasons and even being involved in the second movie. And then, you know, he was taken away. Uh, he sadly will not live to see the 20th anniversary celebration of SpongeBob with the third movie. Um, it's a wonderful sponge, but I think that we do know that he knew that SpongeBob was a big hit. And I think that um, it's really nice to, you know, see that, all the work that he was able to put in and all the times that he was able to focus on the characters and the writing of the episode, he was able to see the fruits of his labors. Cool. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's play one more tribute video and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a show. Okay.
Thank you very much for joining us for this uh, tribute show, and uh, I'd like to end with this uh, poem that I found, and I thought it'd be uh, appropriate to end with it, and so it is uh, uh, called Safe Harbour by uh, Jennifer Hickok. The storm has been raging for so long now, pouring rain, crashing thunder, howling wind, beating down on this lonely ship, searching for a place to call home. There was a time, it seems, so long ago. The sun shone brightly in the clear blue sky. Looking up from the bow into forever, a gentle breeze, cotton candy clouds. But the storm slowly moved in. A few scattered showers and thunderstorms. Days of downpour, flashes of lightning, with shelter so hard to find. Rainbows still shone, beacons of hope, in the likeliest places. Vibrant against the backdrop of grey, a glimpse at the best of times. As the year passed by, the storms changed, getting worse, getting better and fading away. But they left their mark. A vessel is changed forever when touched that way. And although you can rebuild, the damage has been done. Horrible storms have been forecast for not so, for the not so distant future but they wouldn't hit this ship 
Not again. No more damage will be done. The ship will be protected now. No more. Tossed about no longer. Safe in the harbour. Forever. To call home. My name is Aaron Mezzer. I host the Aaron Mezzer Show podcast. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash Aaron Mezzer Show. Twitter is at Aaron Mezzer Show. Uh, AaronMezzer.tumblr.com. YouTube.com forward slash Aaron Mezzer Show. You can also find us on Player FM, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and uh, various other places where you can find, find us on our podcast feed. Thank you very much for joining us for this very special show. Take care. Good night. And God bless.